Great news coming out of Idaho. Yesterday, Governor Brad Little signed into law House Bill 71, which makes it a felony to provide puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and transition-related surgeries for minor children, making Idaho the 10th state to ban gender-affirming care for minor children. Hi, I'm Julie Barrett, and you're listening to the Women's Blaining Podcast. I'm also the founder of Conservative Ladies of America, which started as Conservative Ladies of Washington. We are an organization of like-minded ladies and gentlemen that are working hard to empower, encourage, and equip citizens around the country to take action to create real change to protect our children, preserve our families, and the freedoms that we as Americans hold so dear. You can learn more about Conservative Ladies of America by visiting our website, conservativeladiesofamerica.com. We would love for you to join the movement, sign up, become a member today, and get involved. Uh, We'll teach you all about how you can take action where you are, whether you have a lot of time or a little time, there is something everyone can do in this fight. And we need all hands on deck. This is truly a battle to save our society, save our culture, and preserve America. So check it out, conservativeladiesofamerica.com. And if you're in Washington, check out conservativeladiesofwa.com. Well, I'm excited to have some good news to share with you all today. Yesterday, Brad Little, governor of Idaho, signed into law House Bill 71, which protects minor children from this gender transition services, puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and surgeries. Uh, it actually makes it a felony for someone to do these things to minor children, which is huge. This is huge progress. They are now the 10th state to... Um, enforce such a law, which is great. We had actually put out a call to action last week. I have a friend over in Idaho who actually moved over from Washington to get out of uh, the deep blue Washington state and over to the free state of Idaho. And she called me last week and said, hey, we need people to call Governor Little and ask him to sign House Bill 71 And I thought, well, that's weird. If it passed the state legislature, why wouldn't he sign it? Why would he veto it? And she was telling me that that there's a lot of pressure being put on him by um, these other leftist organizations and lobbyists. And Governor Little is really kind of swayed by these these very influential groups of people. And he needed to hear from citizens that they indeed wanted this signed into law. So we put out a call to action asking people to give him a call and tell him to sign the bill. According to media reports, he got tens of thousands of phone calls uh, from both sides asking him to sign it and the other side asking him to veto it. As you can probably imagine, the left is calling this a transphobic, homophobic law, of course. Um, and so when they do things like this in places like Idaho, you see people in states like Washington, Oregon, California that will uh, counter that with their pro trans bills. Uh, Here in Washington state, we have uh, a couple of them, specifically Senate Bill 5599, which would allow minor children to access what they call protected health care services, which includes abortion 
and these uh, transgender services, uh, minor children would be able to get this without parental consent. That's already legal in Washington state. But now this new bill is without even notifying parents. So your kid goes off to a what they call a host home or a youth shelter. And they won't even uh, the adults in these places won't even call to notify you that they have your child. So you could perhaps think your child is missing or run away and be obviously most of us parents who care about and love our children very much would be um, horrified to not know where our child was and to know if they were safe and uh, being cared for. So it is a horrific law which uh, is up for a floor vote, likely here in the next couple weeks in Olympia in the state House of Representatives. So we're following that one closely and California has a similar law to that. Uh, But in other good news, Montana has also passed a similar bill to what Idaho just passed um, that will protect children uh, from these transgender services. Uh, It is Senate Bill 99, and the sponsor of this is Senator John Fuller. He's a Republican from Whitefish, Montana. And this bill, Senate Bill 99 from Montana, would penalize any doctors who provide transgender um, care for minor children with fines and a suspension of their license. Um, Additionally, it would not allow state property, facilities, or buildings to be knowingly used to promote or advocate social transitioning, and it would stop Medicaid from covering this care, which is huge. And this bill passed out of the Senate. It passed 32 yes, 17 no. So that is a substantial majority Uh, passing that bill. So that's very encouraging. So that bill, Senate Bill 99 in Montana, the bill now heads to the House of Representatives, where it will get more debate, um, and probably some amendments, and then it will go back to the Senate for a final vote. So it looks like this bill has a real strong possibility of passing and becoming law in Montana, which I'm guessing then that would make it 11 states uh, banning these procedures, which is extremely encouraging. I know yesterday's podcast episode was a lot about being discouraged and feeling just the heaviness of this these times that we're living in. And so I wanted to make sure that I shared this good news with you because it's news like this that can really give us that boost that we need to keep fighting. When we see winning happening in certain parts of the country, it gives us that hope and that faith to keep plugging away, keep fighting because our children deserve that. And we see this winning in other areas of the country. And I think what we're going to see is people will continue to migrate to places that align with their values. I saw someone on Twitter saying yesterday that she had moved uh, from Texas to Washington state because Uh, She really loved the governor of Washington. So that's, you know, for people in Texas, I'm sure they're, you know, cheering for um, to get rid of this liberal while Republicans, conservatives, sane people in Washington don't need another Inslee supporter, of course. But we're going to keep seeing this shifting as people move around to places that align with their values. They want to protect their kids. They want to have freedom. They want to have their constitutional rights 
protected and respected. And we're seeing so much delineation in our states and and people are going to make their choices accordingly. Now, yesterday we had elections in some parts of the country. There was a big race for a Supreme Court judge in Wisconsin that everybody was really watching closely. If you know of Scott Pressler, um, he's big on Twitter. I don't know if he's much on Facebook or other social media, but he's got a very strong presence on Twitter and he goes around the country uh, signing people up, registering people to vote. And he has been very influential in getting people registered to vote and voting Republican. Uh, he goes to gas stations and registers people. And it, he's just he's amazing and, and just a very likable, personable guy that just is in the trenches day in and day out. And he has currently spent a lot of time in Wisconsin trying to educate voters about this election, about this judge uh, position because it is so critical, especially as we have elections going forward. And if we have this woke leftist socialist judge in this spot, that's very, very dangerous. And unfortunately, the voters did choose the woke leftist, I believe it's a Soros back judge, but I could be mistaken on that. Um, but they did choose that person. I think it was like 50, they got 57% of the vote. So uh, it was a, a strong majority there, which is really sad and unfortunate. And I think what we're going to see is people leaving the state of Wisconsin over something like this, because it will really, these key positions can really change the shape of the state. Uh, and then in Illinois, with the Chicago mayor election, if you thought Lori Lightfoot was bad, oh boy. This guy, Brandon Johnson, who won, is supposedly very far left, even more to the left of Lori Lightfoot. So it is unfortunate that the people of Chicago did not learn their lesson from Lori Lightfoot. They apparently did not feel the pain of her policies nearly enough to get them to vote better. And they have elected somebody that is even uh, far worse. So that is not good. And it'll be interesting as the weeks and months start shifting and to see what people do there. I'm not going to lie. I'm very grateful that I have a home in Florida and I have freedom on the agenda. It actually makes uh, it tolerable for me to be currently living in Washington state where I know I have a plan to get out. Um, and so I do, uh, you know, I do encourage people to go where you can be free to go to places that align with your values. And it's not running away uh, if you stay in the fight. And I plan to absolutely be in the fight in Florida. I've been watching Florida politics uh, since we bought our house last fall to kind of get a, a lay of the land and figure out what's going on in, in their politics and policies around the state. And, and there's a battle going on. Um, what you see, you know, on the news is is all of the, the great conservative policies coming out of Florida. But if you if you actually dig in a little bit deeper, there is a, a very strong battle going on. It's definitely a spiritual battle like we're seeing in other states. You just have the um, the shift of the majority being on that conservative side of things. So if you don't, if you let up even just a little, the left will 
completely run with that and and take over. So that is a fight that that I will be definitely um, very involved with. And I will stay in the fight in Washington state. I will continue to lead conservative ladies of Washington. And I've got a great team that I work with that will be taking on more responsibility. Uh, but we are we're not giving up on Washington. I say I'm going to be working remotely. <laughs> um, so I'll be working remote in Florida and uh, out of the line of fire. And, you know, it is kind of scary being in a state like Washington and some of the policies that have been proposed in this legislative session because they are targeting people like myself, people who are on the right. And especially if you're outspoken, uh, you definitely have a target on your back. And I'm not going to lie. That's very scary to me. And I don't feel like long term, I would be safe in Washington. And so there's kind of this feeling of having uh, more safety in Florida and still being able to be an effective influencer for uh, shifting the policies in Washington state. So that's kind of my game plan, which is kind of just a side note I didn't plan to go into in this episode. Also wanted to share about um, Matt Walsh did another speech last night for the, is it the Young American Foundation, YAF? I think that's what it stands for. And, you know, they go around to colleges and he and Michael Knowles and Ben Shapiro and, and all the Daily Wire guys, they do these speeches at colleges and they're always very interesting and and they take questions at the end of the speech and they always invite the people who disagree with them to come to the front of the line. And Matt Walsh, of course, did the documentary called What is a Woman? And he really is one of the uh, front runners, leading voices on this whole transgender cult that we have moving about our country and I would say the world at large. And there were in the audience last night, there were a few different uh, transgender folks that got up to the microphone to ask him questions. And this one gentleman in particular, I don't know why I called him a gentleman. (laughs) He's dressed up as a woman. He's calling himself a woman. He's a guy. He's a dude, Uh, not a gentleman. He's a dude. So this dude gets up to the microphone and is challenging Matt Walsh on, you know, to define what a woman is. And and Matt says a woman is an adult, adult human female, uh, which, of course, is pretty black and white, pretty straightforward for most of us. And so they go on to have this kind of lengthy conversation. It's about a five minute conversation. And as part of this conversation, the the, the dude, the transgender dude says that um, brings up the counterpoint that some women can't get pregnant. Uh, they're talking about, you know, can a man get pregnant? Well, no, but some women can't get pregnant either. And I really find this argument so not just insulting, but it's so insensitive to women who struggle with infertility. Take a listen to this clip of their conversation. I, I just have one, I have one quick, can, we, can, we, can you come back for one second? Because this is an important question. You said you're an EMT. Okay, if you're responding, you're responding to a, a health emergency. Biological male, somebody with a penis is, uh, is having a medical emergency. And they say to you, um, I think I'm having a miscarriage. Would you, would you check them to see if they're having a miscarriage? Would you consider that a possibility for them? Look. <laughs> no, but 
That's because some people don't have body parts. Doesn't mean they're not a woman. Okay. Sounds like we've established there are some people who, in principle, can get pregnant, and there are some people who can't. So there's two categories, otherwise known as binary. Lots of women can't get pregnant either. Yeah, but they're still of the nature to get pregnant. The only but reason... But they can't get pregnant. Yes, but Truth they... matters, right? It, it does. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Truth matters, and they can't okay. get pregnant. I... That's the truth. So how are they still women? Because they are... For, for, this, for the same reason, for the, for the same reason that, I, that I can rightly say that human beings have two legs. And if a person is born with only one leg, that doesn't call into question the statement that human beings have two legs, okay? A person being born with one leg doesn't mean that now legs are on a spectrum and we can't say, we can't say anything at all about how many legs a person has. Who knows, they could, have, they could be a centipede. You know, they could, have a, they could have a hundred legs. No, we know human beings have two legs. If a human is born without two legs, something went wrong. They were supposed to have that second leg. Something went wrong. If you, if you, if you meet a person on the street who only has one leg, maybe, maybe they had an accident. Maybe they were in war. Maybe, maybe, some, you know, maybe they were in a car accident. Maybe they had cancer. A leg was cut off. But you know that something went wrong because of the, by their nature, they're supposed to have two legs. Same thing for a woman. A woman, by her nature, can get pregnant. A man, by his nature, never can. So if you meet a woman of childbearing age, say she's 28 years old, and she can't get pregnant, you know automatically that something has gone wrong. And she can go to the doctor and find out what that thing is, even if they can't fix it. So that proves that women, by their nature, can get pregnant. Because the simple fact that she can't shows you that there is something wrong. This is what is known as the exception that proves the rule. Matt makes the obvious point, right, that women by nature can get pregnant. If they can't get pregnant, something is wrong. And I feel this is just so incredibly insensitive to millions of women who struggle to get pregnant, who may never have children um, due to infertility or something that has gone wrong. And I also find it really difficult to understand how more women are not standing up to this whole cult. Like, it seems like we have this entire population of women, of real women, that are accepting this, applauding this, and uh, endorsing these dudes, calling themselves women, and then making the point that well, anyone could be a woman because not all women can get pregnant. It is so insensitive. And, you know, especially to these feminists, like where did the feminists go? How did the feminists allow this to happen? As we have these, you know, especially these these young kids that are watching this this cult play out on TikTok and Snapchat and wherever it happens to come out, um, we're so diminishing the role and the importance of, of women, and not just women, but also of biological men. I mean, we are designed to do certain things and to, you know, really minimize it to, you know, you can be whatever you feel. It just, it astounds me. I, I really, I, I can't come to terms with 
how many people, sane people, or that I thought were sane people have actually bought into this whole agenda, this whole cult. And I think it's important that we point these issues out because it's not about that I dislike a certain group of people or that I'm going to insist that you live a certain way because this is my view of the world. But don't push your agenda on me. Don't push your agenda on my children. Gender is not a spectrum. Sex is not a spectrum. God made us male and female. Male and female, he created them. There are two sexes, two genders. It's not a spectrum. And because you believe some gobbledygook doesn't mean you get to teach that to my children or to the children in your classroom. And it's really important that we start standing up for the truth because we live in a world where the truth is frowned upon, the truth is punished. In Canada, uh, a politician named Kristen Wong Tam uh, she goes by they, them. She is proposing legislation that would criminalize offensive remarks made within 100 meters of a drag queen story hour or some kind of transgender uh, demonstration or event or something like that. Firstly, it enables the attorney general to create a 2S LGBTQI plus community safety zone to prohibit within 100 meters of the property any homophobic, transphobic act of intimidation, threat, offensive threats, offensive remarks, protest, disturbance, and distribution of hate propaganda within the meaning of the uh, criminal code. It also comes with it a penalty of $25,000 if prosecuted successfully. They want to turn people who disagree with them, people who speak truth, into criminals. And it's kind of like, you know, we we just went from COVID where you had to have the vax. You had to say the vax was good. You had to say you had to say all the right lines. And we have just shifted that from COVID to now we're on transgender. And if you don't say the line, if you don't say the right thing, you are going to be criminalized. Um, you know, we're not seeing as much on social media of the censorship as we did during COVID, but it is still there. And they do have an agenda to censor you, to punish you if you aren't saying the right things. So it's very important to speak truth I love there's a quote, speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. And I would add to that, speak the truth, even if the consequences are very uncomfortable. It's really important, you guys, that we get comfortable being uncomfortable, because if we aren't willing to sacrifice our comfort, uh, we're not going to win this fight. Um, But I think it's very winnable. And I hope that you are encouraged by the news that we're seeing out of places like Kentucky, which passed a similar bill to these um, transgender bills last week, and Idaho and Montana, because there is a movement and people, good people are speaking up, speaking up for truth to save our children and to save our country. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe and share the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.